This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7, and it's game week. It's uh, it's game time almost here in about 48 hours. Georgia and Auburn, Deep South Saltus rivalry, 125th meeting. This one's between the hedges where Georgia hasn't lost since 2005. And uh, all, the, the state of Georgia just in general for Auburn in a lot of ways has been a house of horrors. You, you don't even have to look at just in Athens. It's been the SEC championship game. Uh, I believe they ended up playing uh, Central Florida and losing – in 2017 in the, uh, in the Peach Bowl. I mean, it's, it's been ugly for Auburn in the Peach State, and they're going to look to reverse that. And, and uh, we're going to talk about it, uh, give our thoughts as the week, uh, about the game as the week has gone on. Uh, you know, probably going to be some quarterback discussion in there. Um, and, and then we're also going to kind of get into some key matchups and, and predict this game uh, for you all, as well as take a look at the SEC. But, Rusty, I always go to you first and want to hear it, man, as this week has gone on. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that, that I always do, and I think you guys probably fall into the same category, is your, your feelings about a game evolve based on what you hear, based on as you look at it, you read, you consume. How have your feelings kind of uh, about this game evolved as the week has gone on? I went back and watched the Auburn-Kentucky game and went back and watched the second half of Georgia-Auburn last year. And – you know, before I start in any of this, I've been a big proponent of Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix is going to be a really good player. I think Bo Nix has got a lot of intangibles you look for. He's athletic, uh, football mind, needs to be probably a little bit more accurate in some of his downfield balls, et cetera, et cetera. But I really like this matchup for Georgia, looking at it on paper. Um, just, just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to – what alarmed me, and Jake, I think you made a comment on the board about this. When that spread came out, I was like, what, what, what am I missing? Because I'm thinking this is going to be a three-point game, which is the normal, you know, Vegas sign of a tight game, they think, and you, you know, the home team gets the benefit of the doubt a little bit when the, when the spread comes out and it's that big. I'm thinking either somebody's hurt or I'm not digging this thing as much as, as these guys do. They're not always right, but they're in a business for a reason because the majority of the time they are right. And the more I look at this, you know, with Georgia's defense versus Auburn's offense and replacing four stars on offensive line against that defensive line of Georgia, I mean, I, you know, it, this is a really good matchup on paper for Georgia, I think. Um, I know they got an incredible wide receiver. When they're watching that game the other day, and Seth Williams is just a big-time 
playmaker. I mean, it's a big athletic dude. It gives you issues. He had a pretty good game against Georgia last year. It was Georgia shut the other guys down. I mean, I think the the, the, the other guys had like 10 catches for 66 yards. So, I mean, Georgia, Georgia can line up man-to-man with those guys. They're going to leave Tyson Campbell. They're going to leave Stokes on him. They're not going to have to, you know, safety over the top. They, they feel confident in their guys. And I tell you, man, I think I went back and looked. Since the SEC championship game in 2017, Auburn's had 36 offensive possessions against Georgia. They've had four touchdowns. Two of those came in the last seven minutes of the second half last year. So they had 36 possessions, offensive possessions. They've scored four touchdowns. They scored on the opening drive of the SEC championship game. So think about the the streak in between that to where Georgia kept them out of the end zone. So, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit further, but as I as I dig into this game, I really, really like the matchup of Georgia's defense going against Auburn's offense. Yeah, that that's definitely uh, you know I, I wrote in in key matchups uh, here earlier today that uh, I felt like Georgia's most direct path to victory was to win that battle decisively, like it has an opportunity to do. Um, it, but it you know it, it still all comes down to it. And I think sometimes we forget it, or maybe we just think it's a given and it's too simplistic. Got to play well. That's just all there is to it. Doesn't matter if you're if you're so much more talented or or if you've got so much more experience or you're so much deeper. If you don't play well, and if you come out there and you lay an egg, well, then a team can get the better of your stalemate a matchup that you're supposed to win, and it's going to be really tough to win a ball game. Kip, how has your uh, how have your feelings kind of about this game and your thoughts on this game evolved as the week has gone on? You know, I got to give credit to Rusty. That might have been the the best opening segment. You know, I've heard on on our uh, our young, still young show to date, just breaking down what he's seen you know, in a big-time matchup like this and, and kind of what's caught his eye. I mean, he was talking about things that I hadn't even, you know, I haven't even thought about yet, I hadn't looked at. I mean, he, he did his work, his homework this week. So, credit to you, Rusty, on, on taking a look at this game. I think what really kind of stood out to me was going back to that, you know, that Auburn-Kentucky game is just how ineffective Auburn was on the ground. And just the fact that, you know, Bo Nick's, led them in rushing I mean it's it one game we're we're doing a lot of overreaction from one game just like Georgia's offense I mean Georgia's come out and gone 450 500 yards of offense in a season opener before and then gone on to have you know a very average offense the rest of the season so the reverse can be said that you can struggle offensively in a season opener and still end up having a productive and explosive offense and so it still kind of stands out that Bo Nix just kind of led him with 34 rushing yards. That was kind of my question mark about Auburn coming into the season. How effective can their back offensive backfield be on a week-to-week basis? And what are they going to get out of DJ Williams and, and you know, Sean Shivers? I mean, on paper, they're a strong duo. But at the same time, you know, against Georgia coming off of a Kentucky game, they're not – I mean, they're not going down in as far as do- uh, defenses they're playing against. I think Georgia, on paper, is set up really well to really put a lot of pressure on Bo Nix to win this game himself and also win this game throwing to other receivers and throwing to his tight end. And how effective is he going to be able to 
be doing that is the big question. I think on paper, it, it looks really good for Georgia. I remember uh, DJ Daniel had a, a really good game against Anthony Schwartz last year. You know, I think if he's asked to do that again, I, I think he's up for that task. I mean, Seth Williams is going to get his. As I said, I think, you know, he's an elite wide receiver. If he gets, you know, four for 95, four for 100, you know, he's going to have that. And, and George is going to roll with that knowing that if they shut down the other, you know, aspects of, of Auburn's offense, they're going to be in a pretty good position here. So I, I think that really this game, I mean, you, you look at what Vegas says about the game. They set that over under 44 and a half. Uh, this is setting up to be a defensive battle and a, a, a low-scoring game. I don't think either offense is, has shown enough that they're going to be able to run up and down the field on, on multiple occasions. So I think right now you're, you're looking at turnover battles, special teams being important, and, and just the, you know, not, not making mistakes when you get to the red zone. And that's going to be key in this game. I think it's just going to come down to decision-making. Yeah, and, you know, as I've looked at this, you hit on it there at the end. I think turnovers are going to be massive in this game because Georgia turned it over a couple times in the opener uh, against an overmatched team, but they forced three. Um, Auburn, with Bo Nix at quarterback, has done a pretty good job taking care of the football. Um, we don't know what George is going to be able to do as far as taking care of the football. I mean, you, you know the plan is going in is to, to not give it away. But, you know, Stetson Bennett, if he ends up being the starter at quarterback, which I lean that way right now, um, he's never really had it put on his shoulders against a, a, an aggressively man coverage defense. And sometimes it's easier to throw interceptions. Sometimes it's easier to turn it over against zone defenses because everybody's got their eyes on the quarterback. Uh, but but Auburn's going to play a lot of tight coverage, and they're going to be super aggressive with it, and, and it's going to be a new experience for him. Uh, you know, he's, he, you know, we we've said it before. He's got three games really under his belt. Through one pass against LSU, uh, but he's got the Auburn game, zone heavy team, and then against against Murray State and 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 Arkansas State, two teams that aren't SEC level or even close programs, and. Um, this is going to be a new uh, – kind of some uncharted territory for him if he's a starter. If it's Dewan Mathis, same thing. Everything's going to be new uncharted territory for him because, uh, you know, he's never taken up snap at home. And, and you know, he's never faced a team that was real um, aggressively man either. And and I do think Dewan Mathis is going to be in the mix. I, I also think that, that as I thought about this game going along, I think the importance of the quarterback plan coming into this game, it needs to be pointed out because – I do think Dwan Mathis is going to play. I do think Stetson Bennett's going to play. And 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 you know if I had to if if I had to guess right now if I had to offer an, offer a hypothesis at this very moment I would say Stetson Bennett's the primary, and Dwan Mathis may kind of be a little bit more of a change of pace guy. Now that could change as as you know coaches watch film and things. You know we've we've heard what we've heard regarding Stetson Bennett being the being you know as far as the reps and things like that, but. Uh, I think the importance of that plan and putting those guys in a position to be successful is going to be huge in this game because, Kip, like you said, this thing shapes up to be a defensive battle. It, it just shapes up to be – I mean, it's almost like, well, if it's, at, you know, if it's at 44 points or wherever it's at, pound the under because this has the makings of a 14-10 or 17-10 or 20-10 to type game. 
Um, I'm not so certain I buy into that just yet. I do think I do really like the under so far, but we'll get to our picks later on. But um, I, I do I do think that that one of these teams is going to have a little bit more offensive success uh, than than scoring in the teens or, or just barely getting into double digits. Um, Rusty, you kind of hit on on one key matchup, and I think it's a key matchup we would all agree on. But what's another one? You know, let's kind of go over some some of these key, not necessarily one on one matchups, not necessarily player versus player matchups, but when you look at Georgia versus Auburn, what what's one matchup outside of the defensive line versus Auburn Auburn's offensive line that you're really watching? I think Georgia's DBs versus Auburn's wide receivers because. You know, as Kip mentioned there, you know, Seth Williams, is an, he's an elite player, big guy. You look at Anthony Schwartz, maybe the fastest guy in the country. Now, oh, by the way, he was a teammate of Tyson Campbell in high school. Well, Tyson Campbell was a 10, 300-meter guy. Well, guess who was faster? Anthony Schwartz. He was a 10, 2, 10, 1 guy, you know, Olympic-type speed. So, Georgia plays man-to-man. They are going to play man to man. They got, you know, Eli Stove, um, you know, Schwartz, and then Seth Williams. They're going to have to. This is why you recruit the way you do. And Kirby Smart is, is, is demanding in length and speed in his secondary. Eric Stokes can run, DJ Daniels can run, and Tyson Campbell can run. Those are big guys. My question is. And we saw this twice last week. And I don't want people, you know, some, some people kind of had some questions on the board. Jake probably can back me up on this. Tyreek Stevenson was more of a leverage thing. Tyreek Stevenson can run. I mean, this is a kid, I think, at, at, at uh, Nike Camp, he was 449 or 4.51. I mean, that guy can run. And he's big and he's thick. And that's what you're looking for out of that position. But it was more of a leverage thing. So when they went four wide, and ISOed him twice on a third down, uh, you know, he gives inside release and and you're beat there. I don't care who it is. You're beating SEC. So I think those are things that can be fixed, but Tyreek Stevenson's going to be a guy that Auburn's going to take a look on tape and say, look, we're third and six, and we run these rub routes, these crossing routes. You know, this may be a guy that we go after because Georgia's corners, you're not going to make a living going after those guys. And I just think that – uh so that's the matchup I want to see when they go spread. Georgia goes in their you know nickel package and they run the star and and what's going to happen there and what have they what have they changed or learned into week two? And, and I like that you went kind of holistic there on the secondary and the wide receivers because you know Eli Stove's a good player for Auburn. I mean he's I swear I to God he's, he can run. <laughs> he's been there for a decade. Yes, I mean he yes. was. I mean, he he was on special teams when when Bo and Herschel played on the same team. I think, it feels I think like. him. I think him and Stacy Searles roomed together. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, it was. I mean, he's been there forever. So, um, and he had a good game last week. I mean, he, I saw him catch a catch a touchdown against Kentucky. He separated, looked really good on the outside. He's a good football player. Uh, you know, Anthony Schwartz. You brought him up. Now, I thought DJ Daniel did a fantastic job on him last year. I mean, I was – it was one of the things – it was kind of – last year's Auburn game was a little bit of a coming-out party for D.J. Daniel because everybody kind of looked at Tyson Campbell going down and the way he was playing before he went down. 
And they thought, well, teams are going to pick on DJ Daniel. Then Notre Dame got a playoff of him, and a few other teams got a playoff of him. And then he comes out there against Auburn, and they throw a deep route to Anthony Schwartz. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, when in one-on-one coverage, and I'm like, man, it's going to be tough. While the ball's in there, you're like, that's that Schwartz. He's going to be behind him. And DJ Daniel was in his hip pocket. And, and we know DJ Daniel can run. Didn't know he could really run like that, football speed, game speed, stuff like that. But he ended up having a great game against the Tigers. And um, I think that it's going to take a, a whole effort because you can't go spending too many resources on Seth Williams, not because Eli Stove and, 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 uh, and, and, and Schwartz are, are such dynamic, productive players, but because they can hit you hard. They can they can like take take your wind out because of their playmaking ability and their speed, and uh, Georgia kind of has to play them honest. You know, Richard LeCount, Lewis Seen, they can't go cheating around. And and uh, you bring up a good point there in the slot. Listen, any slot any slot defensive back, I don't care who you are, you've got one of the toughest jobs, if not the toughest job, on the defense because that guy can break in, he can break out. You don't have a sideline to help you out. You may have a little bit of safety help over the top, but the safety is usually your fourth or fifth best cover guy in the secondary. It's a, it's a tough job, and, uh, you know, Auburn's probably going to try and attack that. Uh, Kip, what's your, uh, what's your you know, matchup to keep an eye on in this game? Well, the one thing that kind of just has caught my eye and is something that I'm really interested to see is, you know, what Todd Munkin does in week two. Todd Munkin versus Kevin Steele is really what I'm watching because we're having two coaches that are highly respected. Uh, Kevin Steele, I mean, he's one of the most respected defensive coordinators in college football. He, you know, knows his personnel. And if you're Todd Munkin, uh, well, it's how we're on the outside looking in, we don't know how well Todd Munkin knows his personnel right now because he had to be thinking, you know, he was kind of scratching his head in that last matchup. He had all these plays ready to roll out and and show the world that, you know, his offense was, you know, going to be explosive, what Georgia fans have been waiting for. And he did not really get the opportunity to to showcase, you know, his, his play calling ability to the fullest extent because, you know, they're just, penalties sloppy football in that first half we don't really know what what Georgia has offensively right now and, and so you have you know Munkin's resume outstanding if you know, no spring football you know no normal camp that like I said before on the previous show that that game was basically Georgia's spring football game so now he's had this week to kind of go back and and look at the film and and kind of go from there and know kind of what you have at quarterback, but not really. So if Stetson Bennett's your starter at quarterback, you're now able to prepare him with the ones and actually call plays that were that are made for Stetson Bennett. And that's something that I don't think he really got the opportunity to do against Arkansas, but at the same time, you're going up against one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. And so on paper, it, you know, Auburn has the advantage there. But, you know, I think Georgia has a chance to really put an emphasis on the ground game and really cause that defense to start, you know, creeping down and creeping in. And, and once they start doing that, I think – 
Georgia's wideouts, Kiaris Jackson and George Pickens, are going to have a lot of opportunities late in this game to really break open some big plays. And so that's kind of what I'm, wait, I'm wanting to see is, you know, can Georgia establish the run early a, against Auburn and really cause that defense to kind of, uh, you know, lose focus and, and lose that that eye discipline? And then really, will Todd Monk can take advantage of that and dial up some some explosive plays downfield and beat man coverage. And that's something that I think Georgia's set up really well to do with the wide receivers they have in this roster. And I think also, just as you kind of saw a little bit of it in the last game, I think that John Fitzpatrick and Darnell Washington have the opportunity to make some major plays over the middle of the field. And I think that Stetson Bennett showed that he could do that as well. And if Dewan Mathis is in the game, he's going to have that opportunity too. But I think that's really what kind of caught my eye is we're going to see two two guys who, who had been around. They're not new to this game. They know how to take advantage of mismatches. And it's going to be a chess match out there between Kevin Steele and Todd Monken. Yeah, and that, that's one I highlighted as well, you know, especially that personnel thing because, you know, Kevin Steele, uh, a lot of new faces on that defense. I mean, you, uh, you had two first-round picks. Did Marlon Davidson get taken in the first round as well? He was the Falcons' second-round pick. Second-round pick. So three defensive players off that defense that got taken in the first two rounds, and uh, they, they lost a lot, lost a lot in the secondary, lost a lot on the defensive line, returned a really talented linebacker group. I mean, four guys that can flat-out play uh, there. But he's also in his fifth year at Auburn. So he knows the personnel. He recruited those guys. He's developed those guys. He knows it. Todd Munkin may be dealing with a little bit of a disadvantage there, and uh, we'll see how much he learned about those guys from week one to week two. Uh, Rusty, I'm going to take and flip the the point you brought up in the beginning and go with Georgia's offensive line versus Auburn's defensive line because – I think that is a pretty even matchup. I still think Auburn has some talented guys despite everything they lost. And Georgia didn't show a whole lot in week one in terms of being good. They, they just weren't very good, especially in the first half. And they, they were really bad in the first half, got better as the game went on. But, you know, I think that's a key matchup because if Georgia can come out and establish the line of scrimmage and protect the quarterback, I really don't see a way they lose this game. Knowing that, knowing what I know on paper, that that Georgia's defensive line is supposed to win that battle, that Georgia's secondary is supposed to limit big plays, I just think if Georgia comes out and runs the ball effectively, which even with Auburn's really really good defensive line, DeAndre Swift still went for over 100 yards last year, and the year before when they had still a lot of those same guys, Georgia rushed for over 300 yards in Athens. So I think Georgia can exploit that, and and if they can. If it can, it's – it's. I mean, I, I don't see a path to victory for Auburn. And and I think Auburn fans would probably agree with that. If Georgia comes out and runs the ball effectively, efficiently, chunk plays, I, I mean, it's it's kind of a wrap. I, I just don't really anticipate Auburn being able to win a shootout against this Georgia defense. Not necessarily a shootout, but a game that gets – where both teams get into the 20s or, or if Georgia's able to get into the 20s. It's, it's going to be tough to beat Georgia at home with that defense. Let's jump into a break real quick. We're going to talk a little bit of SEC ball on the other side and kind of the games we're watching this week, and then it's on to predictions. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, guys, full slate of SEC games again this week. Had some upsets this past week. Had some really, really entertaining football games. I, I had a ball watching uh, South Carolina, Tennessee. It sucked that it ended the way it did. Uh, couldn't, care, could, couldn't care less who won that game. But, but losing on a ball, bouncing and hitting a, hitting a blocker on the, on the punt return team and South Carolina not getting an opportunity to kind of give us a, a photo finish there was pretty – it was pretty crappy, but ultimately uh, it was still a really entertaining football game. I'll run over them real quick just in case you guys are, are, are listening or, or you guys here on the show uh, aren't familiar with what's going on. You got South Carolina at Florida. That's at noon. You got Missouri at Tennessee. That's at noon. You got uh, number 13, Texas A&M at number two, Alabama. Alabama's favored by 18 and a half in that one. So I, I think that, that we know how that's going to go. And A&M looked awful against Vanderbilt. Uh, and then you've got Ole Miss at Kentucky. That one's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, Arkansas at Mississippi State. Uh, the, the Bulldogs from the SEC West, or as they call them here on Athens Radio, the Bizarro Bulldogs, are, uh, are going to be looking to, to kind of move to 2-0 there under Matt, Le- Matt, Matt Leach, uh, Mike Leach. And uh, they're actually number 16 in the country now. And then you got, obviously, Auburn at Georgia and the number 20 LSU at Vanderbilt. Uh, the, LSU, the Tigers are looking to get right after, after giving up over 600-yard passing. Uh, yards pass into Mississippi State. Uh, Rusty, what game are you watching this week in the SEC? Obviously, we'll be watching – man, the schedules are great. These, you know, I, I've said this before. I'm pretty sure the, the coaches aren't fans of an SEC-only schedule, but for us it's great. Uh, you get to watch so many games. I had to actually set up two TVs last week upstairs in my office. I, I said, look, I've just got to have two. And I, You know, it'll start with me with South Carolina and Florida. I want to see how – South Carolina rebounds. Um, you know, this is a game that Florida should win on paper, should win probably going away. Let's see how they um, how they play this week. I was impressed with the South Carolina defensive line. Now, they've got some really good players there. You know, offensively, I thought Bobo did a great job. I thought Colin Hill was pretty damn good. They just couldn't make another play at the end, as you said there. I'm interested in that game. I'm interested in Texas a and so let's just let's just get to the point on that. This guy got seventy five million dollars, and nobody has got money like Texas A and M. I mean, that is the. I mean, they've got boosters. I mean, facilities. They've got it. They've got Texas old money deep there, and they went and got the guy they thought was going to lead them to the to the to the next. And Rusty, level. I want to add something real quick to that. It's one hundred percent guaranteed. Guaranteed. Every dime of it. Every dime. 
So, I mean, they can fire him yeah. tomorrow, and they're on the hook. So it's it, yeah. it was a it was a, 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 a eye opening contract when it was when it was put out and it's ten years seventy five million dollars. What is it? What is it in year three? Uh yes. I mean year three, and you go to Alabama is almost a three touchdown underdog. You know you go get blown out this weekend, and there's going to be some there going to be some people that's not happy there. Not saying he's on the hot seat and all that, but the honeymoon will way be over for this deal if they go over there and get beat forty nine to seventeen. We'll see what happens, but I suspect Texas is going to play better. But man, that that game, I don't. It was so late. I don't, I don't even know what channel it was on. I had to go back and watch it on YouTube actually. But the Texas A M Bandy game didn't get enough attention probably, and probably people saw the score and goes, well, what happened there? I'm telling you, Texas A&M better show up this week or Alabama will run them out of that building. I'll say this about Texas A&M. You've got a quarterback coming back for his third-year starter starting, and that goes to your point, 18-point underdogs to Alabama, and you've got a third-year starter at quarterback. They also had some really key opt-outs. I mean, they're kind of in the same boat as LSU. Maybe not quite as quite as far out in the ocean in that boat as LSU is, but they they had some key opt outs. And um, you know, I think in a normal year you'd be feeling a little bit better about AM. I know everybody felt really good about them coming into the year because they were a top ten team almost unanimously. And uh, and 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 they they didn't look like one in week one, but you know, we'll we'll see if they can kind of bounce back. Kip, is there a game you're going to be keeping an eye on? It's the same game. That's the game I've been thinking about this whole time is just the fact that when Alabama loses, and, I mean, they have lost. I mean, Saban's been there long enough to board just by default. They have double-digit losses, uh, just him being there so long. I mean, but most of the time when, when Alabama legitimately loses and they're not going up against a Cam Newton or they're not in a bowl game that they don't care about, they, they lose to a team that has elite wideout talent. And so that's the thing that just catches my eye. Jamon Osmond opting out. That was the guy that they needed really to win against Alabama because you're not going to win 11 against 11 against Alabama. The way you beat them is in a one-on-one matchup that you can take advantage of. And he, he was that guy for Texas A&M. And, and they have a guy that physically has that talent. Um, and DeMond DeMoss, physically that guy's a freak. But he didn't even play last week. And so maybe, you know, you get him more involved this week if he's ready. He's a guy that, you know, maybe you can throw a couple balls down the field, see if he can out-jump Pat Sertain Jr. Uh, you know, that's, that's where Texas A&M might have a chance. But at the same time, I mean, their best chance this game is going to be to play, you know, just ball control, just try to control the clock. And I think, I think that in games like that, you really start seeing uh, Jimbo slow this thing down. I mean, when they they're already their offense is already one of the slowest in the country, and when he knows that he he doesn't have the the guys to line up against the other team, I mean, he's gonna dial it back even more. So, I mean, that's what you do when you know you're you're kind of the underdog, and I think that that's going to be their their best opportunity to, to tell Kellamon to go out there and play smart football and, and try to just uh catch him in a mistake 
hope that Alabama's offensive line has some issues. You're able to get in the backfield a couple times to get some negative plays against them. I mean, at the end of the day, I think Alabama wins by two touchdowns and Jimbo, I mean, the, the seat just gets a little bit warmer because, as you guys said, they kind of expected something that was already a tough sell, you know, being in the SEC West. Regardless of how much support your your team has, it's it's tough to move into that upper echelon out there. There are teams that have stockpiled for a long time, and so you can play the long game and you can try to just work your way up the ladder. Uh, but I don't think that they're going to catch lightning in a bottle on, on Saturday. And it's just interesting to me that that's the three thirty game because it just does not seem like it's the most interesting game of the day. I got Alabama big. I think Alabama beats them by 28, 30. I think they're going to – you know, you look back at that game last week and Alabama lost focus there in the second half and only beats Missouri 38-19. A Missouri team that's really going to be well coached. I think Eli Drinkwitz is, is, a, uh, is, a, is a very sound football coach and they're going to they're gonna play good football week in and week out and get better as they get more talented. But uh, I, I think they're going to kind of look at that second half, get a little angry about it, beat up on Texas A&M. I, I'm, I wasn't high on the Aggies uh, when, when it looked like they were going to have everybody, and I'm definitely not high on them after they had the opt-outs and what I saw last week against Vanderbilt. Um, two games kind of come on my radar, one of them just really briefly, Ole Miss and Kentucky. I mean, you want to talk about two contrasting styles going up against each other. I don't see either team stopping either team because I think Ole Miss is going to have a lot of speed they're going to get to the edges they're not going to really challenge that Kentucky defensive line and uh and they're going to put up a lot of points and, and then Kentucky's obviously going to run right at them grind it run clock um I'm not impressed with Terry Wilson coming off that knee injury maybe he gets better as the year goes along but I think Ole Miss gets their first win under Lane Kiffin and, and moves Kentucky to 0-2 in the SEC and that's going to be really disappointing for a big blue nation if it plays out that way um I'm also very interested in the South Carolina-Florida game because I think that win or lose, whatever happens, if Florida comes out there and gives up 450, 500 yards of total offense to South Carolina, you've got to put a red flag on top of the tallest steeple in Gainesville because that defense, it lost some pieces, okay? But year in and year out, they've lost pieces, and they've still found a way to be an impactful, really good defense. And South Carolina does not have great skill talent. I mean, I thought what Mike Bobo and, and, and the Gamecocks were able to do last week against Kentucky, I'm sorry, against Tennessee, a defense that I think is probably better than Florida's, uh, I thought it was really impressive. And I think if Colin Hill comes out and, and, and that run game comes out and does what, what Ole Miss was able to do or, or even 80% or 75% of what Ole Miss was able to do, you got to really worry about Florida. I know that offense is great, and it was really impressive to watch. And Kyle Trask – is is the antidote yeah, I mean he is the straw that turns the drink for how they want to do things I don't think he's a big time playmaker but the way he can deliver the ball to those playmakers Grimes and and uh, uh, Kyle Pitts is is really impressive he, he's just he's just what they need right now um, but I don't think you can live in the SEC you can make a living in the SEC running around giving up 450 500 you know 600 yards a game like they did against Ole Miss all right, guys, it's time for picks. Rusty, start us off. What do you think about Georgia-Auburn? And give me your player of the game. Went back and looked at my now two-week-old prediction, and I predicted a game to be 20-7. to 7. 
And you know, I'm not real sure that I'm going to change anything about that. I think that, you know, this is a game – when I dug into the Kentucky game, because a lot of people – that was a trendy pick. And, uh, you know, I know Kip watched it as well. But when you look at the game, the time of possession, Kentucky was like 36 to 21. They outrushed Auburn. They had more passing yards than Auburn. The key thing was turnovers. And when you turn the ball over against a team like Auburn, you're not going to win. So if Georgia can protect the ball and not have those those turnovers or those uh, you know freaky things that happen, you know I just think it's too big of a matchup for Georgia's defense versus Auburn's offense. I, I think that it's really time for Bo Nix to take that next step, and I'm sure Auburn fans are dying for it to be this week because it's, you know, the way this series has went the last 10, 12 years. But I just, I like the matchup of Georgia Deep. I like the matchup of, of, in, of the interior line versus Auburn's interior. I like the tackles, uh, Rodarius Ham versus, you know, Zizo Jalari, Nolan Smith and those guys. I just think that Georgia, you know, is a little too much there. I think Georgia's got to tackle well because Auburn spreads you out so much. You know, I'm going to go probably a player of the game that may not show up so much in the stat book, but he's going to cause a lot of issues and scheme issues for Auburn. I know it. I know who it is. And that's Jordan Davis. That's him. I think Jordan Davis versus Nick Brom uh, is is a big mismatch. I think that uh, Jordan Davis is going to cause a lot of issues inside, and that 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 may that dictates that you have to make sure that you double-team him, which leaves your tackles in one-on-one situations. And there's some new guys now. So, you know, may come back and eat crow on this on, on Sunday and very well could. But my opinion right now, I just really, really like this matchup of Georgia's defense versus Auburn's offense. And I'm going to go Jordan Davis, who's going to, you know, if we really were to break down film and Cole Kublik might do it. He does a great job on those things. I just think that Georgia is going to be too much. I think Georgia, I'll stick with my score. I think it's going to be 20 to 7. And I think the streak in this series continues to trend heavily in the favor of Georgia. Yep, what do you got? I think that this game is going to come down to, again, turnovers. I think that in this game, Georgia is going to put pressure on Bo Nix early and often. And I just do not think that Auburn's offensive line showed me enough last week that they can protect and that they can establish the line of scrimmage in in the run game either. And I think that's where where George is going to take advantage and they're going to force a lot of negative plays, havoc plays, and turnovers in this game. And so I think the key to this game is going to be on the flip side. It's going to be George's offensive line. Can they establish an identity and can they go out there and, you know, put their stamp in the game and, and showcase that, uh, yeah, they lost guys to NFL, but there's still a lot of talent on that offensive line. And I think that, you know, they had to, they had to do some self-scouting this week and kind of look in the mirror and say, we can play a lot better than this. And so, you know, for, for me, I, I think that the, the player of the game for me is going to be Zamir White. I think that they're going to establish this ground game, and I think they're going to give him the most opportunities he's had, you know, in his, in his time at Georgia 
to to make plays. I mean, if, if we go back and look at the obviously last year was his first year being being healthy and being able to play. I mean, he's he's yet to uh, to have 20 carries in the game, and I think that this game sets up for him to have that opportunity to get 20, 21 carries and to get 130, 140 yards, break off a couple long runs, potentially, you know, a 20, 25-yard touchdown run, and really give Georgia some offensive momentum and kind of take the pressure off whoever's at quarterback. If You know, if that's Stetson Bennett starting out the game, I think, I mean, again, that that's good for Georgia because I think he's a guy that you can rely on to, you know, be aggressive but still be kind of smart with the football, you know, Relatively speaking, based on the first half, second half of, of the last game, I think he's a guy you can kind of lean on a little bit to the, the to get the ball out there, but to not make too many uh, you know dumb mistakes. And so I think again, Zamir White has a big game. Georgia's offensive line gets the job done and it has kind of a bounce back performance. And I think uh, you know Bo Nix has a rough outing out there. I, I got Georgia winning this game, twenty four seventeen. Well, it looks like we're kind of all right there in the same little cluster. I picked 2410 before the season. Um, I'm going to change that ever so slightly. I think Auburn breaks the streak. I think they score two touchdowns in Athens, and Georgia wins 24-14. I really – I'm kind of in the same boat as Rusty that I have kept coming back to Georgia's D-line against Auburn's offensive line all week. Georgia's D-line and outside linebackers, you'll understand why I say that in a second. But I, I just think that's a that's a big matchup. I think if Georgia's offensive line comes to play, if it can put two, three good quarters of football together against this Auburn defensive front, I, I, I also like the idea that Zamir White uh, can kind of come through and have a big game. I think Stetson Bennett's going to do some damage with his legs against Auburn going with man coverage so often, you know, gets out of the pocket. Auburn's not quite as athletic as they were up front a year ago. And, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett can kind of get away from the pressure a few times. I think he's going to be able to bite off some chunks of yardage. Or Dwan Mathis, depends on who it is. Uh, I do think both will play. Um, player of the game, I've had a hard time deciding between two guys, and here's why. Uh, you know, the, Auburn – Auburn uses the tight end probably. He's probably going to use the tight end a little bit more under under Chad Morris. But I think Georgia kind of is going to be able to negate that with the pass rush. And whoever is going to get the most attention from the tight end as far as the chip, as far as some help out, as far as the running back, stuff like that, I think that the guy on the opposite side is going to benefit. And and my player of the game, I've, I've, I want partial credit, dang it, if I get one of these guys, okay? But I'm going to go with Nolan Smith, 1A, because I think Nolan Smith is is in a really good spot right now to have a two- or three-sack game. And you know just as well as I do, we've seen the Jarvis Jones big games like that. You know, Todd Gurley ran for over 100 yards against Florida in 2012, yeah, 2012, and not many people remember that because Jarvis Jones had four sacks and – five and a half tackles for a loss or six tackles for a loss or something like that. You know how much a dominant defensive performance makes a big deal in a game like this. But if Auburn wants to try and neutralize the outside linebacker, the weak side uh, with, with, the, with the chip blocks, I think Trayvon Walker is a guy to look out for. He had the game ceiling sack last year. He's a guy that can come off the edge and make big plays. And, uh, and I like somebody on the defensive side and especially one of those two 
to uh, to to come out as player of the game. But uh, just so I don't just so I don't get catch any flack next week, okay? I'm gonna go Nolan Smith by himself. I know how this sounds. I I, I was getting to a point there where I thought I may reel off five or six players of the game and was gonna try to take credit for one of them. But uh, I'll just go with Nolan Smith. But Trayvon Walker, keep an eye on him. Lee Corso style, keep an eye on that guy. Hey. I got two quick questions. I'm going I'm to intercept this, Jake, for a second. Oh, man, this is a setup, Kip. It's always a setup when Rusty okay. wants to ask questions. Got, Every time. Always. I got two quick questions before we end this thing. Number one, how good is it to have Mike Leach in this league? I mean, that bandwagon social media post that Mississippi State did was an all-time classic. And my second question is, does Kip's wife listen to the podcast this week for our predictions? I'll hang up and listen. Kip, you can you can answer the second one. I ain't getting into that one. Well, first off, when when <laughs> the the thing that makes that Mike Leach video is is when he points when he points off to off off. <laughs> it was off. great, man. Uh, there's not enough room in that wagon for all of us. We're all on it right now. <laughs> the, the second answer is uh, she saw we were recording. She ran out the door. <laughs> Ran out. She couldn't get out of here quick enough. We have not spoken one word about football this week. Yeah, watching separate rooms. As soon as, soon as last week was over with, and we it kind of set in, and it already had hit. We just stopped talking about football. We didn't even talk during Monday Night Football about. I mean, it's uh, and yes, usually about first or second play, we're watching it in different places of the house and. Uh, and then however it goes, you know, we, we, we give ourselves a 24-hour period to kind of recover from it, and we kind of just go about, the, you know, the rest, rest of the year. And, you know, I've let some slip here and there, you know, uh, but, again, it's, uh, it's just not something that uh, we really prepared for at all. But uh, every year we, we go through it, and, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's an experience that, we normally don't experience together anymore. I got a best friend from high school that married the biggest Alabama fan on the face of the planet. And they have to watch that game in separate houses. I mean, he has to leave. So uh, a couple of weeks, he will not be watching college football with his wife. They just, they took a mulligan after that national championship game and said, we, we can't do this again. He tried to watch it on the back deck. Just didn't work. That's the way it goes, man. I, I I've got I've got a similar situation with a really good friend of mine who who uh, he's a Georgia graduate and uh, he married a Clemson graduate and uh, I think he listens to the podcast. Shout out Tyler, and uh, he uh, he I remember the 2013 Clemson game and they had to watch it together because they were at a tailgate. It was at Clemson and uh, man, you want to talk about the tension at that tailgate. Uh, I mean, they they started the game about three feet apart. They ended the game about three miles apart. I think. I mean, it was it it, it got tense. And hey, that's why we love the sport, man. It inspires a lot of passion in all of us. And to answer your question on Mike Leach, Rusty, very happy, very happy. Hope to chant. Hope to have a SEC media day at some point where I can kind of get up close and ask him a question. Maybe ask him something off the wall. Uh, I've I've always been entertained by the guy. I think he's awesome, and uh, the all timer is is him discussing Mark Schleyball's dog running out on the field for the Kentucky game that year, and some of his comments in that were just fantastic. He he's he's a treasure for sure, and and uh, um, it's fun having him in the SEC. But we're out of time, folks. I got to go to that Tony Schiavone line. We're desperately out of time. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. He's, they're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. 
and you guys take it easy. returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You don't want to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.